Right, good morning everyone, great to see you. Carrying on the series, looking at being followers of Jesus. And this morning I'm looking at how the cross of the Lord Jesus shapes the way we follow Jesus. Or another title for it from the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, is we don't, we, we follow the crucified Jesus, not the westernized Jesus. Amen. So, yes. you know, like every part of the world has got good things and neutral things and some things that are opposite the kingdom of God. There's some great things in Western culture, but there's also some negative things in Western culture and it can negatively impact and affect the way we follow Jesus. One of the things in the Western culture is it's very much about the individual. And sometimes the presentation of the good news about what Jesus has done through his life, death and resurrection can be presented as Jesus will make your individual life more enjoyable. Or come and follow Jesus and he will make your life better. You'll be financially better. And in the West, we have this whole thing of celebrity social media culture. And it can affect both the individual and kind of a local church too. And it can look like this, that Jesus wants the individual or a local church to do a great work in their eyes so that that local church or that individual will be more popular, great, or more successful. And it often looks like, do a great work for Jesus and the, you'll get the applause of either likes or whatever that looks like. And Jesus presents a whole different way of living that actually leads to radical freedom, radical joy, uh, and actually does make your life better, but it kind of turns the world upside down to get there. So I'm going to be referring all the way through to Matthew 16, 21 to 24. So you can read that section of the Bible. It follows this pattern, if you remember. Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? And they say, some people say this and some people say that. And then Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ or the Messiah, the Saviour, the son of the living God. So it's a huge revelation that they're saying, Jesus, you're equal to God. Huge revelation. And Jesus says, only the father could have revealed that to you because that's a revelation that's supernatural. And then it follows that Jesus begins to tell his followers and his friends about what he has come to do. And Jesus effectively shocks the disciples. He's halfway through his ministry and he begins to tell them plainly and clearly where all this is headed. He says in effect, this is going to lead to Jerusalem. It's going to lead to the religious rulers wanting to see me executed. It's going to lead 
to my suffering, to my death on a cross, and after three days, I'm going to rise again. In other words, he's telling them, this is where this is going. It's going to go to humiliation. It's going to go to suffering. It's going to have the appearance of failure and defeat. And it's going to lead to the greatest victory on the whole planet the earth has ever seen. And Peter, who had previously said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, he is completely horrified and shocked by what Jesus has said. It's like he understood that Jesus was the son of God, but he didn't understand the way that Jesus was going to work. He, I think in the back of his mind, he's thinking, this is going to get bigger, better, more successful. Jesus, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the saviour. You're going to usher in a new way, a new political system. This is going to get greater and greater. You're going to set something up in Jerusalem that's going to be big. And I wonder if Peter was thinking in his mind, I'm one of the twelve. I like being around you, Jesus. We walk into villages, you raise the dead, you heal the sick, and we're going to get more and more popular, and I'm right alongside you. Peter, though, genuinely loves Jesus. What we have to say is Peter left everything to follow Jesus. He left his whole history of fishing. He did lay down everything. He is captivated by Jesus, the miracle worker. He truly wants to follow Jesus. But Peter has a very fixed mindset of how Jesus is going to do his work. He, he, he has a very fixed mindset of how things are going to progress. Jesus will go on to say to him, Peter, you see things from a merely human point of view. You've had this incredible revelation of who I am, but the way you're walking your life is you're pretty fixed on a very human point of view. And the centrality of a suffering Messiah, the idea of the cross, just doesn't fit the way Peter sees the world. He can't imagine it being like that. And so when Jesus tells him it's going to end in Jerusalem with a cross and with a death and with a humiliation, Peter is horrified, jolted and utterly shocked. Maybe we'd like to, if we were in that situation, we would have wanted to ask a more clarifying question. We'd like to believe we would have been humble in the moment and say, Jesus, explain, tell us more how it works. But Peter doesn't. He's agitated and he's defiant. It says he took Jesus aside. He takes God by the hand because <laughs> he knows he's Jesus, the son of God. He takes God by the hand and he tells God off. This doesn't fit with the way I see the world. You're wrong, Jesus. And he says, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Good old Peter. I think we're a little bit closer to Peter than we realise. <laughs> this shall never happen to you. 
This is not the way it works. And Jesus' reaction is really, really swift and quick. It comes from the gut. There's not a pause. He reacts quickly. And he says this, get behind me, Satan. It's not an encouraging word, is it? (laughs) Then he says, you are, you are, Peter, you're a hindrance to me. And then in other translations, he says, Peter, you are a dangerous trap. Wow. Straight. Correcting God. This is not the way it works, God. This is not how God should progress things. Jesus says, you're a hindrance. He says, in effect, stop speaking so foolishly. Your thinking is wrong, Peter. And your thinking is way too small, it's too shallow, it's upside down. You see things only from a human point of view and the way things should work. You're not seeing the way the Father works. Hallelujah. Yeah. And that's sometimes our reaction when things <coughs> don't look the way we think they should be. We in our heart want to correct God and take him by the hand and say, actually, I've got a better plan, a quicker plan, a more successful plan. Ah, this is not the way things should work, God. I don't think God sent COVID, but it's an interesting thing. Jesus is strategically bad to close your church for two years. Not clever. You're not seeing things the way the Father works. Peter, you have no idea how God works. See, Jesus didn't work as we might consider a strategic way. His mindset wasn't heal the sick here, raise the dead here, get a Lazarus story there, build it slowly, we're on our way to Jerusalem, we're moving in, we're moving in. People around him said, Jesus, if you want to make a name for yourself, the way you're doing it is all wrong. You need to get in with the movers and the shakers in Jerusalem. You need to get into Rome. You need to be seen. You have no idea how God works, he says to Peter. I live by the Father's strategy. In other words, he's saying, don't, get, don't become a hindrance to me. What I'm going to do is necessary. This has to happen. The cross has to happen. Then it gets even more shocking. It's enough for Jesus to say this is the way it has to happen. And then he turns to his disciples and shocks them and says, what you see me do, that's how you're to live as well. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take their cross up and follow me. My way will also be your way. So it's one thing for us to say, no, obviously Jesus and the cross is a unique thing. We're not talking about people atoning for them, dying for their own sins. It's one thing to say we we celebrate the cross because on the cross, Jesus died for our sins. It's another thing to say the cross of the Lord Jesus 
is the most unique and most important event in the whole of history. It's another thing to say the cross of the Lord Jesus is going to completely shape the way we follow Jesus. And Jesus is effectively saying, pick up your cross means this. Deny yourself means this. Give up your own way and let me lead. Because I think sometimes we, we have this idea of denial means, well, there's no pleasure and no enjoyment. And that's where you can get the vow of poverty, where you think, no, I'm denying myself all pleasure and all enjoyment. It's where we can get those kind of almost religious, legalistic extremes, whereas if I'm joy enjoying life, I'm not getting it. <laughs> I think it's a far more subtle thing to say the way of the cross and the way that we see in Jesus is every step of the way, he's giving up his own way and he's not leading you. Because actually Jesus has said he had the oil of joy beyond anybody else. People wanted Jesus at parties because he was fun to have around. It wasn't just that he could turn water into wine. He, he was great to have around. People loved being around Jesus and hearing him tell stories and hearing him explain things. He was fun to be around. But ultimately, right at the heart of Jesus is this. I'm not out to be popular. I'm not out to be great. I'm not out to be successful. I'm giving up my own way. I'm going to be led by the Father. So the whole of Jesus' life, not just from Gethsemane in the garden where he says, I'm going to drink the cup and do what you will. The whole of his life is shaped by a submitting and a following of, of the Father. There is a great, wonderful joy in the promise of submission and following. Jesus in that same verse says, what good is it? What good is it if you're everything, you, you, you've got everything, and say in Western culture, you're, 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 you've got everything that you think you need to make your life better, or you've got every single popularity, or you're doing great things and you're successful, but you kind of got no life inside of you, because you can't, it's like a death grip on everything. Have you ever felt that when you want something so badly that you're terrified that God might touch it and take it. Have you ever had that? And even when you get the very thing that you long for, you're then terrified that something might go wrong and that you might lose it. Some writers call it the death grip. Your hand is white-knuckled around it. You won't let it go. Other people have talked of surrender being the detachment and the trusting of God. And so in, the, in Jesus... We see his whole life was this submitting and following and the kind of humility that showed up all through his life. Take it right from the beginning. God becomes a baby. Like, really a baby. The incarnation, the eternal, infinite God goes so small to be a dependent baby. Needing God... The son needed to be weaned and changed. And although we don't get that much detail about his childhood, just one, one story really, he, he would have got sick and had to be looked after. There was something insignificant about Jesus. Like 
The one who flung galaxies into being gets brought up in Nazareth, a little backwater, 50 people. Nothing good ever comes from Nazareth, people used to say. He's hidden and insignificant. His beginnings were not great. But he understood that the kingdom, he said, what shall I liken the kingdom of God to? Well, it's a bit like a mustard seed. The smallest seed that grows and becomes the big plant where the nations find shelter. He humbles himself to small beginnings. Small and slow. Small and slow. The disciples want fast and big and brash and successful and political power. Jesus says, no, my life is shaped by what's coming the cross. It's small and it's slow. Life is in the seed. Sometimes it was really, really messy and didn't look very good. There are many occasions where Jesus' ministry just didn't look very, very great. Like he's brought up in Nazareth, which, like I say, is a backwater, and then he goes there and people don't even believe who he says he is. <laughs> I mean, if your hometown don't get it, the people you were brought up with, they, they doubt him. Oh, we know Jesus. We know his family. He's nothing special. And it says Jesus couldn't do many great miracles there. Just healed a few people. <laughs> I mean, I would settle for healing a few. <laughs> so Nazareth don't, doesn't get it. Judas is around Jesus for three years. He sees the miracles. He's around with all the, the meals. He's sneaking into the money bag and stealing. You think, Jesus... Surely everybody around you got it. You're Jesus. You're the greatest prophet, teacher, miracle-working evangelist who's ever walked the whole earth, and Judas doesn't even get it. And then he kind of gets it, but he can't bear the fact, and we know what happens. John the Baptist, your family, your cousin, he, he's the one who said, there's Jesus I, I see that the dove descend on him. He's the promised one. And then, G then John the Baptist is in prison and he doubted. Are you the one? So you've got this thing of his family and his friends and all those who were around him uh, doubting him. But he refused to become despondent or even consider his life a failure. I mean, Jesus, three years of miracle working healing... Resurrection, 500 turn up, some doubted. This is God. Some looked at him and doubted. He refused to consider his life a failure because he's shaped by the cross. I don't have to be popular, Jesus would say. I don't have to be great in the eyes of people. And I don't even have to look successful because I'm popular with the Father and I'm, I'm sowing seeds. I'm sowing seeds. And inside Amen. the seed is the DNA of the kingdom. Amen. And I trust the way the Father works. This Amen. is going to work out. Amen. Jesus never acted in a way to be admired or even liked. So Jesus seems to do his miracles really as often the side or inconspicuously as he possibly can. Take, for example, breaking, um, feeding the 5,000. Now, this is, this is what I would, I would want to do. I am Jesus. I will feed the crowds. Cue thunderclap. <laughs> Cue explosion to the right. 
Now take from my hand multiplying bread and fishes, because I'm God and I made the galaxies out of nothing and I'm making bread from nothing because I am Jesus. He doesn't. Gets the 12 near him, looks up, says, now you distribute it. And as they distributed it, it multiplied and everybody got fed. Probably only the 12 really understood what was going on there. There's no quest to be noticed. What security? I mean, there are multitudes of health, kind of self-help books of how to us in the Western culture to feel peace in a world of agitation and a sense of we're never enough and never successful enough and never liked enough. And Jesus walks through life with no quest to be noticed, but absolutely certain of who he is, where he's going, and how he's going to get there. Like it or lump it, that's how I'm doing it. With great kindness and love, he is who he is. Jesus refused to perform to validate himself. Isn't it from the he's on the cross, he's being executed, and people shout out, "If you're the Son of God, come on down! You healed others, you raised the dead. <laughs> Can't believe it! Look at him, common criminal. Yeah, he's nobody. He's nothing." looks weak and he looks foolish and he looks an utter failure as he's hanging there in his undergarments in, in the greatest shameful way anybody's ever been executed. The Romans in the cross created the most grotesque means of humiliating slow death and he won't come down. He stays there because he is where it's going. It's what I have to do. <clears throat> so to follow Jesus by embracing the cross then is about growing into a mindset where our whole idea of life and church life and our individual lives is embraced by a whole, is shaped by a whole new way of seeing greatness, popularity, and success. How does it look as a local church? We will be the church God calls us to be and we'll be the church he wants us to become. And that's, we'll, be, we'll be happy with that. You know, how would you say as an individual? I'll be the person that God has made me to be. I'll be really happy with how he created me and I'll be really happy to walk with him in it. I will do what God calls me to do. We will do what God calls us to do. There's so many things out there that will say, if you do it this way, you can grow a big, big church. If you do it that way, you can grow a big, big church. What about just the rest that comes at saying, you know how to do it, Jesus, and we're going to follow you one step at a time in obedience to you. I'll do life your way, not my way. We'll do life your way, not our way. And we're going to be patient and we'll work according to your timetable. 
will sow seeds with faith and expectation, understanding that often the kingdom comes slow and small, that often the kingdom looks messy and unsuccessful. Sometimes people don't get what we're about. We'll do things with the refusal. We're not doing them to be noticed. We're not doing them to be liked. We're doing them just in our obedience to Jesus as we follow him. No quest to be noticed. No need to perform for the people around you or no need to validate yourself. Just love them. Just love them. Just sow seeds as you get opportunities. Some people will say, you're mad to say there's a God. Some people will say, you're crazy to believe that a crucified saviour is the way, the truth and the life. You're crazy to believe that Jesus is alive today and he was resurrected. But we can think, no, I don't mind looking foolish. I don't mind looking like I'm weak. But we can tell our story at the same time. And as we've been in the worship, this, this decision to say to Jesus, to be a person who says, I'll let you lead the way. I'll, I'll give up my own way and I'll let you lead. How does that even happen? I think it happens through, through becoming like a spiritual child. Mm -hmm. Saying, I'm learning to grow up and become like a child. I'm learning to recognise that I don't really understand the world as much as I think I do. So I need to become a spiritual child with you one day at a time. Amen. It comes as saying to God, in those places where we think I've got a death grip on something, I'm holding on to it really tightly, we believe the gospel that he loves us even when our fists are clenched around something. Amen. That he doesn't say I'll love you when you let go or I'll love you when you detach. I love you now with your fists clenched around it. Let me woo you as we've been hearing. Let me draw you. Let me cause you to be convinced of my love. Because actually the reason we hold on so tightly and struggle to be a spiritual child is that we mistrust God and we want to be in control. And the only way we can let go of control is we need a revelation of our lives are safe in the care of God. Because he loves you more than you love yourself and he wants your good more than you even want your good. He's for you, not against you. And so we have a revelation of I'm a spiritual child completely accepted just as I am just as I am it's not that our surrender and denial of our stuff makes him love us more we are loved it's the recognition that we can't do life on our own that life only works when we are walking with God life only works when we're satisfied by his love that's the only way we can walk the way of we pick up our cross and follow him we have to say, on my own, I can't, but you can enable me. You can help me. You can empower me. And it ends by saying, I surrender to you. It's that laying down of I need to be in control of everything. It's the moment we say, I'm not the director of this movie called My Life where we learn to say to God, I'm no longer going to tell you where the lights have to be. I'm no longer going to tell you what the angles have to be for the scene. I'm no longer going to be in control of all the actors in my story, telling them their entry points and what they have to say. I'm going to surrender all of that 
idea and I'm going to embrace the reality that you have a beautiful story for me to walk in, a wonderful life for you to walk, for me to walk in with you. And it's on the basis I'm a spiritual child who's being empowered by a very good God and I'm laying down the necessity to control the whole story and I'm saying I've got dreams, I've got hopes, I've got longings, there are things I want to see, I'm bringing that to you because you're a really, really good dad, but at the same time I'm detaching from the necessity to say do it my way, the way I want and how I want. And so I'm going to pray for us. One of the most important things is that for us as a local church is as we're walking is to understand with absolute hope and expectation that the kingdom starts slow and it starts small and that every seed matters. Every time you sow a seed, whether it's an act of kindness, forgiveness, grace and love, offering healing to a person who rejects it, offering healing to a person who accepts it and gets healed, every time you sow a seed, that seed is not just an illustration of how the kingdom works, that's how the kingdom works. Inside that seed of whatever you say to people has kingdom DNA in it. And the Holy Spirit watches over those seeds and he, water, he, he causes them to miraculously spring into growth. So one of the things we, God invites us is to be really hopeful and expectant as we're sowing seeds. And so Lord Jesus, we thank you for your amazing life and the way you followed the Father. And I pray, lead us in a way that the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ shapes the way that we actually follow you. That Lord God, that we'd be spiritual children and you would help us release death grips on things yeah. and to deeply trust you with the whole of our lives. I pray that we'd be aware of you and invite your help in every single day and that we would draw on your life every single day. And I pray that, God, you would just by your love break the need to be in control of us. That we would say, you've got a magnificent plan, Father. And the safest place for me is to be right at the heart and right at the centre of following you in that plan. Amen.